I'm Dave Baker. And I'm Andrew Price. Welcome to Deep Cuts, the podcast where we pick a topic and walk you through the ins, the outs, and the nitty-gritty, so you can appear like an interesting and idiosyncratic person at your next forced social function. Today's topic is... The Reverend Anton LaVey. Who was Anton LaVey? Well, he was a magician, a showman, a musician, a habitual liar, and the author of the Satanic Bible. Throughout the second half of the 20th century, he was targeted as a fearmonger, a Satanist, and accused of being a cult leader. But what all these claims failed to pinpoint is that he was also one of the most important cultural figures in American history. One, a boy named Howard. Anton Sanzadel de Vey was born April 11th, 1930 in Chicago, Illinois. Despite his lengthy legacy of terror and panic, the man the world would know primarily as the author of the Satanic Bible was actually born named Howard Stanton Levy. His father was a liquor distributor and his grandfather was a French immigrant arriving in America around 1886. While he was still very young, his family moved from Chicago to San Francisco, California. This location would become synonymous with LeVay's demonic persona and decidedly pro-Satan lifestyle. Kneel before me, my disciples, as I regale you with the darkest, evil, demonic chants of the Dark Lord himself. Let me convey the teachings of our Great One, Baphomet, for I am Howard. (laughs) Even though he was widely known. (laughs) I picture that being like his first run through. Like he's like, that didn't sound good. That was no. Nope. And and it was before he started shaving his head. So he just had like the like hair donut, you know, the like half donut oh, because he was like going bald. It was like his version of when you see those old like you can dig up old videos from the 80s of Larry the Cable Guy when he wasn't Larry the Cable Guy. And he was like normal kind of like flamboyant New Yorker guy. And that was like his real self. Yeah, it's before he became he embraced the character of Anton Sanzador LeVay. Or Cezandor LeVay, whatever the fuck his middle name is. Um, yeah, I, I, you know, he just shows up. His name's Howard. He's wearing blue jeans and sneakers and a Dracula cape. Like, he had the Dracula cape, but he didn't figure out all the other stuff yet. Even though he was widely known for his work as an author and public personality, LeVay was also a musician, public speaker, and a cult performance artist. Aside from his book, LeVay was recognized most widely for his work as the founder of the Church of Satan. With an early existence that is shrouded in mystery, LeVay is a man who claims to have done many things. It's not quite clear where the line was between truth and his flamboyant stage persona. Some historians have called him a liar. Some think he was more of a performance artist. The realities of the situation are painted in color wheels of gray. We may never know what elements of LeVay's life were fabrications and what were founded in truth. In fact, attempting to separate fact from fiction is possibly the most interesting aspect of the life of the man ominously referred to as the Black Pope. In his early years, he was obsessed with music and even worked as an organist at a circus. 
He then later transitioned into being a sign painter and a cage attendant for big cat performances in a circus, he claims. The circuses he toured in would put on performances during the day, and then later in the evening, the circus owners would rent out the tents to Christian preachers who would put on shows and spread the gospel. I know that the Black Pope is supposed to sound dark and ominous, but I can't help but continue to think of it like it's an exploitation film. Like, that, that's the vision that I have in my mind, is Black Black Pope. It's it's uh, Fred the Hammer Williamson. Fred the Hammer Williamson is the Black Pope. <laughs> it's not scary at all it's just it just makes me think of it just makes me think of that yeah writ- written by larry cohen of course <laughs> levey claimed that he witnessed the duality of humanity during this time he would see men getting drunk at the circus engaging in debauchery one minute and then praying and singing to the lord for forgiveness the next In the introduction to the German edition of the Satanic Bible, he wrote that this was when he began to grow skeptical of Christianity and their proclaimed piety. Soon after, he would quit working with the circus and claimed that he started working in bars, playing gigs as an organist for nightclubs. He claimed that he had an affair with Marilyn Monroe during this time. He said that he worked in these circuses and the people would be at the circus just like drinking and like fucking going crazy. And then the revival church services would happen and they would all like straighten their ties and then pretend they were like, you know, super righteous. At one of these things that was happening, there was these people like drinking and going crazy. And there was like, you know, women that were like stripping naked and stuff like that. And he saw his Sunday school teacher naked and just like dancing. After leaving that life behind, LeVay worked for three years as a crime scene photographer for the San Francisco Police Department. He writes in his books extensively about the horrors he observed during this time. Through his connections with SFPD, he then claims to have transitioned into work as a psychic investigator, helping to work on over 200 cases. So, sure, buddy. So we're making that TV show, right? (laughs) Right, yeah. Anton LaVey, psychic investigator at large. That sounds fucking awesome. But also... Even if that was true, it's it's not even as cool as it sounds. Like the 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 psychic the people the psychics who used to like work a lot with the police department, like it's not even as cool as it sounds. It's just them just like going into the 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 department and just making up a bunch of bullshit and then just leaving and going home. That's all it is. Like it's not like you're imagining him just like out like fucking going like dead zone style and just like going to a crime scene and like waving his hands around and being like, I see it all. It's all happening in front of me. No, it's just like going to a fucking police precinct being like, yeah, she's uh, she's hidden underneath a tree out in the forest. Uh, where's my check at? All right, bye. There are currently no records that the SFPD ever worked with LeVay. However, in the 1960s, they did employ the use of psychics as something that many police departments did. It is quite possible that he worked with them off the record, but also, nah, he didn't. He didn't do that. Anton LaVey became obsessed with the occult and devil worship during the 1950s and early 1960s. He began to throw satanic-themed parties at his black house in San Francisco. They were notable for being attended by members of the Bay Area avant-garde, like Forrest J. Ackerman, the founder of Famous Monsters of Filmland magazine, and Kenneth Anger, noted gay culture icon and short film director. These parties were renowned for having 
special things transpire after hours, meaning LaVey would hold orgies and perform satanic rituals for the individuals in attendance. Knock, knock, knock. Uh, hello? Yes. I'm here for the satanic orgy. Oh, uh, are you on the guest list? Yes. I'm under Mothman, and we gonna fuck. (laughs) These parties developed something of a cult infamy around the San Francisco area. Rumors of ritual human sacrifice and demonic childbirth ran through the back alleys of the cultural underground, notions that LaVey slyly stoked whenever he was asked about them in public. Based on the hype he was cultivating in the local scene, LaVey decided to start holding a series of lectures on occult subjects and research that he was engaging with. LaVey's passion for the subject matter and personal charisma were on display in full force. He treated these lectures almost like a church sermon. He would gather people and then deliver information and uplifting messages to them for hours. He lectured on the works of Aleister Crowley, the the lectured on the works of Aleister Crowley, the theories behind chaos magic, and the idea that human willpower is the ultimate driving force in the universe. He held these lectures every Friday night at the Black House. These began to develop a fairly significant following. One night after the lecture, LaVey was approached by one of his followers. The person purportedly suggested that LaVey start a religion. Initially laughing it off, the idea struck him. LaVey found himself repeatedly mulling it over. He couldn't shake the idea, so he gave in and decided to do it. He went that he went that uh, that that mayor Goldie Wilson route. You're Goldie Wilson. You're gonna be mayor. Mayor. I like the sound of that. <laughs> In 1966, LaVey shaved his head in order to appear like an ancient executioner and declared the founding of the Church of Satan. He rechristened the year, 1966, Anno Satanus, the first year in the age of Satan. There is no church that exists without a sacred manuscript, so every following needs an instruction manual. Every congregation needs a roadmap to salvation, and LaVey knew this instinctually which led him into writing the book that would define the rest of his life. Andrew, when, when was the first time you heard about Anton LaVey? Uh, oh, I mean, yeah, long, long ago um, when I was when I was a kid. Uh, I uh, I was I was interested in reading I, I, when I was when I was really young. I was interested in reading about Greek mythology. And then I remember that my downstairs neighbor's niece gave me a book on Greek mythology. And I and I read that and was very fascinated by it. And um, I don't I don't I don't know what was I don't know why, why that specifically resonated with me, but but it was very easy to then become interested from there in like other types of myths which kind of dovetailed into occultism and conspiracy theories and cryptids and a lot of the things that we've talked about on the show that we've been interested in. Um, but it, it all started there when I was when I was maybe in like, I don't know, how old was I when I lived in, in that apartment? Like, I don't even know, third, fourth grade. Um, and so I became interested in reading stuff about people like Anton LaVey and Aleister Crowley and... Um, uh, and then I real I, I I read a lot of stuff about that when I was as I was younger in my like elementary school age years from the library. And then when I was in high school, um, I really you know I had my my cousin was also really into this kind of stuff. And I would just we would I would hang out at his house and we would just watch videos of Anton Levey talking. 
that we got from, I don't even know, just downloaded from LimeWire or watched on Rotten.com or something. This is like pre-YouTube, so it wasn't like on YouTube or any website. Um, yeah, so yeah, I was, I was like, I was like reading about Anton LaVey and the Church of Satan all throughout kind of like my middle school and like early high school years. Yeah, I, I got really into him probably towards the end of junior high, beginning of high school. I was, uh, and it's so interesting because I'm so not this person anymore, but in high school, I was a very angry person, you know, I had a lot, I had a chip on my shoulder kind of, and I'm, I'm pretty happy go lucky now. I mean, I obviously have like a very, uh, <laughs> a very specific point of view, but I'm not just like angry as a person. I'm pretty happy as a person. Um, but I, I related a lot to Le and his idea that willpower is the kind of I mean it's not just his idea but you know the idea that he put forward of like willpower is the ultimate driving force in the universe chaos magic was something that was really interesting to me um and I I loved the kind of using the 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 symbols that the system disproves of to weed out people that are of a divergent worldview you know um because it's really what it is like the satanic bible's not actually about like the devil's a real guy it's about like hey maybe we should like be cool to each other and like you know you should like maximize yourself as a person and like really strive for some things also uh if you want to fuck maybe you should just fuck like who gives a shit yeah, I mean, I, I just, I love, I, I fucking love these types of like, uh, chaos agent, like snake oil salesman grifter, uh, like wandering carnival barker type figures. Like I fuck, I, I named my son after Aleister Crowley and not because I love Aleister Crowley as like a person or think he was a great guy or followed any of his teachings. Like he was, he was like a pretty terrible person. Like not like, he wasn't a terrible person in the way that people think he was, which was like he was evil or whatever. He was just kind of a shitty guy. But I love the idea of these people who like dedicate their lives to just like, I'm going to become a like moving meat machine for like just throwing a wrench into the cogs of the status quo. And not even in a particularly constructive way or like a way that has any kind of like clear path to some kind of goal. It's not like, oh, like I'm fighting for a revolution and I want we want this, this and this. I mean, that's also good. And that's there's there's a lot of, you know, way more uh, respectable figures that are, you know, revolutionaries that were actually fighting for a cause. And that's obviously, you know, that's obviously objectively more morally positive but the idea of like i don't have a goal i'm just gonna like i'm gonna i'm gonna martyr myself and my life to just basically being like fuck you this is bullshit so that i can just take everything down at least a peg maybe peel back the curtain a little bit and just show people like even if i've just wasted my entire life just like pretending like i believe in some stupid bullshit or, or, you know, putting up this act or, you know, de- making a debauchery of myself um, that I've just accomplished the goal of showing at least a handful of people, like, why do you care about these things that people say you need to care about? Like, who gives a fuck? Th- these things are meaningless. We make up everything. Everything is made up. Why do you, th- why do you hold these things as, as edicts and creeds? I, and I, I just, I love... There's something I, there's something that I love so uniquely about that of just like I'm going to become like a fucking weird performance artist for like showing people that everything isn't as serious as they think it is. <laughs> Dave is Dave is doing the 
Dave just did the, the universal uh, sign for you think I'm going to say no. Yeah, like that's exactly what I love about it too. Like I love the idea that um, that somebody in the very conservative, restrictive 1950s would look at, you know, the button down Madison Avenue, hair slicked to the side, you know, in air quotes, greatest generation person and be like, nah, I'm going to shave my 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 receding hairline. I'm going to wear nail polish and I'm going to fuck people underneath a Dracula statue. Fuck yeah. Like, that's just so rad to me. Like, I love the idea that you would wake up one morning and be like, yeah, I'm just going to like be uh, an agent of the devil now. I love it so much. I love it so, so much. I, I not only do I respect the self-invention of it, but also the ingenuity, which we're going to get into later, but like nobody bet on this guy. It's not like he got a publishing deal to make the Satanic Bible or put out the records that he made or start the church. Like he self-published. Yeah, he yeah, he was like he was like ahead of his time of like, I'm going to I'm self-publishing books. I have my own record label, like my own self-created record label in the in the like fucking 60s where that was just like unheard of and also like really hard to do yeah like wildly you know something that was just not un- was not attainable to the average person like it's not like now where you can make a whole album about napster on your computer in a month yeah yeah i i there's so much to discuss about him and so many interesting contradictions and so much there's so many fun sad depressing reprehensible great ideas that are all wrapped up in him and the people in his orbit um and as we said earlier like he didn't fuck marilyn monroe (laughs) like he didn't do that shit but it's hilarious to me that he claims these things. He's like, yeah, I was a psychic investigator and I was a um, carnival barker and I was an organist and I, I did this and this and this. And it's just like, we, we all know you didn't, but we all like that you didn't and that you're saying that you did. And that it's more the it's more of a, a an affinity or respect for the idea of self-reinvention than an actual belief in the facts of what the person is saying person is saying because that the mere the mere inclination to establish oneself as greater than your humble surroundings um allows everyone to do the same thing which is equally as interesting and freeing especially when most people don't embark on it in the same way like kenneth anger is a wild man he is a crazy he is cuckoo pants and i love that guy most of the other people in his circle were just like regular workaday people who on the weekends would like you know put on nail polish and go have an orgy and then go back to their everyday life lives you know what i mean it's almost like levey gave a certain type of person a window into another life that they could only live in for short periods of time yeah yeah and 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 there's there's something there's something that really resonates with me about that and i am by no means like i'm not i'm not some fucking crazy eccentric by any means and certainly i mean maybe I, I almost like used to be more than i am now i'm definitely well now you're you're pizza pizza paparizza yeah i mean you, you if when when you when you have that much responsibility on your shoulders you have to present a professional outward facing public persona oh we've we've seen those photos of you in jinko jeans we know <laughs> Uh, but, but the, but the, the idea of theatrically playing with your own persona and reinventing yourself, you know, 
there's something that's really fascinating and resonant with me. I mean, I, I've talked about it on the show, and I, you know, I'm sh- I'm sure you've done similar things, but you know, we we talked about on the show before about you know stuff I did when I was like in high school where we went to that that theater camp, and the whole time we were there, my my friend Zach and I posed as like exchange students from some made up uh, Eastern European country. And, uh, I, I like, and it's just weird little things. Like, like I, I was weirdly obsessed with lying about dumb things in the same way as Anton LaVey was where, you know, I, I think I maybe have talked about this in the show as well, but like one time I, I used to convince people that Vincent Price was my grandpa or my great grandpa. And one time I just like, I convinced like a bunch of my friends that I was moving and I, I drew the, I drug this out over like a month and I just convinced them all that I was moving away to a different town. And then like on the last day I was, I said bye to everybody. And then I just came to school the next day. <laughs> Love it. And it was like, it was just, it was just stupid and pointless, but there's just, I don't know. There's stuff like that. Just real, like that's the kind of thing that I just find so infinitely funny and entertaining like my friend, my friend, particularly my friend Drew was just like, why did you do this? Like, what the fuck? Why? He was like so confused about why I would have done this. But I just thought it was so funny. And yeah, I mean, there's something I mean, there's something in what you're saying. I don't know. I, I, I mean, maybe I'm like romanticizing it of these things that I did. Maybe they were just random things I did for fun or whatever. But there's something in that of just like theatrically doing these things that play with persona and reality in this way that is almost like give like gives people per, around you permission to think about things in a way that they just maybe necessarily wouldn't have necessarily thought about it in the, in the first place because a lot of people are sort of locked into like just one perspective that's just sort of been handed to them and they don't try to challenge that. Yeah. And on that note, Act Act 2, The Satanic Bible and The Burden of Knowledge. Published in 1969, The Satanic Bible is a mixture of essays, observations, and ritualistic behaviors compiled by, you guessed it, Anton LaVey. Despite being self-published, it has become the foundational text of both the Church of Staten... Staten? The Church of Staten. The Church of Staten Island. Welcome to the Church of Staten. Grab your complimentary gabagool at the door and have a seat. The Church of Staten, yes, it does take place on a boat, technically a ferry, but... You know, uh, grab a uh, motion sickness bag because you are going to be eating a lot of gabagool throughout this entire service. We are on a boat. Some people, you know, that does not mix well. And uh, we we don't want you messing up the floors. We just had grandma uh, buff out the whole thing. I know we talked about this last episode. Well, actually, I think we did before we were recording, but... Gabagool just sounds like a racial epithet. Like it just really does. Yeah, we were we were talking about that. That was not on the podcast. That was off podcast, but um it it, it hits it hits the ear. It hits the ear like it is some kind of racial slur. And it's hard it's hard to reconcile it because it's not at all, but it's just like it feels like that in some weird ethereal way. In this service of the Church of Staten, we're gonna watch. We're gonna binge watch the entire Sopranos, even though it takes place in New Jersey and it's not like a Staten Island thing. 
We're going to watch the whole thing right now. This sermon is going to last fucking like 600 hours or whatever the fuck, however long the Sopranos are. So don't, you're going to be on this boat for a while. Grab your pot of gabagool. It just, I just wince every time. Trust me, there's going to be some real racial slurs said during this sermon. If you're, if you're already wincing at gabagool, you, you should leave. Despite being self-published, it has become the foundational text of the Church of Satan and LaVey's cult of personality in broader culture. The Satanic Bible is comprised of four books, the Book of Satan, the Book of Lucifer, the Book of Belial, and the Book of Leviathan. The Book of Satan changed popular Christian belief structures like the Ten Commandments and the Golden Rule. Instead, it offered ideas surrounding... Epicureanism as a viable alternative, some of which include the rejection of determinism and acceptance of hedonism. Determinism being the uh, principle that fate basically exists and everything is happening for a specific reason and human will is irrelevant and um, all of your future decisions and events, no matter what you do, are going to happen in a specific order. The Book of Lucifer held most of the philosophy of the burgeoning new religion. It promoted ideas such as indulgences, acceptance of love, hate, and also physical sex. The Book of Belial was about uh, slipping into the early 2000s green screen ultra world and destroying all of the ultras in a in a fight that takes place exclusively on a green screen with a bunch of weird in the in the m78 in in the m78 nebula with a bunch of like weird green screen or with a bunch of weird cgi like fractal designs floating behind you that is a joke that no one will get except for me and the few people that have seen the ultraman uh, zero films. Good, good, because everybody else can go fuck themselves. <laughs> anybody listening, anybody listening who does not fall into that category can eat shit. I don't even remember which movie that's in. It's in one of the ones that Koichi Sakamoto directed. I feel like it's called like Monster Universe All Out Attack Ultraman Zero or something like that. It's got a really, really weird name that's like really long. Um, but that movie's great. It's the first Ultraman Belial film. We're talking about Japanese live-action superhero films and TV shows. So if you like Ultraman, go track down the Ultraman Zero stuff, because that's what Andrew's making a joke about. The Book of Belial detailed the rituals and magic that LeVay had learned from his occult studies. And finally, the Book of Leviathan provided the invocations of Satan, lust, compassion, and destruction. Overall, the themes of the Satanic Bible are a mixture of Ayn Randian philosophy, chaos magic, willpower, and, you know, good old self-manifestation. LeVay purposely shrouded his ideas in anti-Christian iconography because he felt that the people who believed in the Christian deity would be predisposed to being close-minded to his views. The Church of Satan is basically goth libertarians. Yeah, pretty much. With way more fucking. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, if you if you see some of those libertarian debates, those dudes are not they're not their wives aren't even. It's it's actually it's the other way around. It's that libertarianism is Levian Satanism made celibate. Yeah, it's in it's incel Church of Satan. Yeah, it's all of the shitty parts of the Church of Satan and none of the cool fun stuff. Yeah. It's like it's normcore incel Satanism because they don't even have like cool nail polish or like upside down crosses. They just have, they just have fucking Gary Johnson just up there being like, well, uh, well, 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 like he just everything, everything he says is just he just like a he's a Pokemon that just says, well, like, well, 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 cast, uh, cast lightning bolt, Gary, Gary Johnson. Well, 
Well, well, well. Gary Johnson looks like the type of guy. Now I know, th- I know the connection dropped out. So I hope that I was saying I was going well, well, well when it lost connection, and then whenever it started back up again, I was still doing it. I said some, I said some other stuff in between that, but I hope to you it seemed like we lost connection for like twenty seconds, and the whole time I was just saying that. <laughs> Gary Gary Johnson is the type of guy that looks like the dude who, like, whenever you're having a conversation about underage sex, he's always got a story about, like, I dated a waitress who was 15 when I was 34 once, and she came on to me. Like, well, he's that well, guy. There's, you know, there's something, it's called the Romeo and Juliet uh, doctrine, or whatever the fuck, and... You know, technically, uh, well, well, well. Yeah. Gary Johnson looks like the type of guy that, uh, in another life would have died, uh, in like, um, a huffing accident. Like, he's the only person in human history to ever die from huffing paint. Well, well, you know, you know, well, you know, if you combine, uh, a brown a paper bag from a liquor store and you just spray a little bit of uh, primer in there well you know, it, you know I'm, I'm just saying it, it feels it feels quite nice well well gary <laughs> gary johnson is not a mormon but he looks like the type of guy who would like to fuck with his dick through the pee hole of one of those mormon white jumpsuit things well well you, you know well it, you know, technically, if you uh, if you have sex before marriage, it's it's against uh, it's against our beliefs. But well, you know, if you put on the white jumpsuit and uh, well, you you put your penis through this hole, uh, well, it it, uh, it doesn't count. Gary Johnson looks like the type of guy that uh, is a fifty year old man and still picks his nose and eats the boogers. Well, 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 you know, technically. Technically, boogers are often, you know, invasive things that get in your nose and then your your body puts mucus over it to protect you from it. And sometimes it's bugs. And, you know, well, technically, you know, scientists say that uh, by the year uh, 2050, we might, you know, live exclusively on a on a uh, diet of bugs and it would actually solve world hunger if we started eating more bugs. So, well, you know, technically, if I'm eating my boogers, I'm actually, you know, a man ahead of my time. I'm a, I'm a revolutionary. Well, Gary Johnson looks like the type of guy that goes into a supercuts to get his haircut and then just like pulls out a photo of his own butt cheeks and is like can you just do this well well you know if technically well your your butt is uh you know the hair that grows on it is that's the natural state of how your hair is supposed to look and nobody's ever nobody gives you a butt cut so your hair <laughs> as it looks like on your butt is how you're supposed to look like on your whole body so technically uh you know well the the way your butt looks is like kind of like the ideal version of how your head should look gary johnson looks like the type of guy who got expelled from high school because he put a ghost pepper up his own ass well well you know technically uh you know I, some people might say that the ghost pepper is a little extreme but uh well uh, technically the actual hottest pepper on the scoville rating is the carolina reaper pepper so technically it wasn't actually that extreme well <laughs> what does this have to do with anton LeVay? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. We've been doing this for so long. I don't even know. All right. I'm, I'm moving on. I'm going on. 
Gary Johnson looks like the type of guy. No, I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. Throughout the later parts of the 1960s and into the 70s, LeVay's infamously rose. He became something of a figurehead for the early satanic panic, causing calls for people to boycott his work. There were consistent cries that he had a negative influence on children. The LA Times and the SF Chronicle essentially gave him the nickname that would propel him into superstardom. They were the ones that christened him the Black Pope. So as the conservative groundswell surrounded LeVay, and people from all across the country called out for his works to be banned, what did he do? He went back to his roots and started to release records. Not quite music, though, just yet. But he'd get to that eventually. He released The Satanic Mass, recorded live at the Church of Satan in 1968. The album was originally put out through Mergenstrom, LaVey's own record self-publishing apparatus. One side of the record featured him baptizing his daughter, Zena, in a satanic ritual, and the other side featured LaVey recording two snippets of the Satanic Bible, reading it out loud. The record was almost a taunting jeer at the person who wanted him to stop being a public figure. It sold eh, moderate well, but it was not the viral sensation that the Satanic Bible had been. Let's let's listen to a little bit of this. The gods of the right hand path have bickered and quarreled for an entire age of Earth. Each of these deities and their respective priests and ministers have attempted to find wisdom in their own lives. The ice age of religious thought can last but a limited time in this great scheme of human existence. The gods of wisdom defiled have had their saga, and their millennium hath become as reality. Each with their own divine path to paradise hath accused the other of heresies and spiritual indiscretions. The ring of the Nibelungen doth carry an everlasting curse, but only because those who seek it think in terms of good and evil, themselves being at all times good. The gods of the past have become as their own devils in order to live. Feebly they play the devil's game to fill their tabernacles and pay the mortgages on their temples. Alas, too long have they studied righteousness, and poor and incompetent devils they make, for they all join hands in brotherly unity and in their desperation go to Valhalla for their last great ecumenical council. Draweth near in the gloom the twilight of the gods. The ravens of night have flown forth to summon Loki, who hath set Valhalla aflame with the searing trident of the inferno. The twilight is done, a glow of new light is born out of the night, and Lucifer is risen once more to proclaim, This is the age of Satan. Satan rules the earth. The gods of the rotten are dead. This is the morning of magic and undefiled wisdom. The flesh prevaileth, and a great church shall be builded, consecrated in its name. No longer shall man's salvation be dependent on his self-denial, and it shall be known that the world of the flesh and the living shall be the greatest preparation for any and all eternal delights. Regi Satanas, Ave Satanas, 
Hail Satan. This is me, Anton LaVey, not being particularly good at being theatrical, even though I really want to be. Listen to this extended intro to a Rob Zombie song. It's me, the skit in the middle of the hardcore record that you really don't want to listen to, but you're out of skips on Spotify, so you sit through it, hoping that the band you're listening to's number one single comes on next, but it doesn't. It's the weird 12th song on the record that you really don't like, but you also don't skip that, so you just listen to it. Hail Satan. Do, do we talk more, do we talk about his other music in this, or is that is that kind of the last reference to it? Uh, I don't remember. Because I, cause I feel I feel like we got we to gotta listen to a little bit of some of his other, because he put out this one, this album in the 60s, and then he put out two albums in the 90s, and he, he put out, he put out an album like a couple years before he died, Um, he, he and I feel like we got to listen to a little bit of it, but he, you know, he, he did this album in 1995, and then he died, which we'll talk about later, but he died two years later. But I I, I kind of love it. I I, I love uh, I, I love these two albums by Anton Lavey. Like this this mu- number one, it's gonna not be what you think it is at all. Like this is not like that. The Satanic Mass album that he put out in the '60s. It's totally just like here's some vaguely spooky bullshit that is supposed to sound like evil and foreboding or whatever. This is nothing like what you would expect it to be. Um, and it's also exactly up my alley. Like anybody who's into weird outsider music, like a lot of people don't like this kind of stuff, but like this type of thing is exactly the type of thing that I love listening to. Um, so we'll, we'll listen to a little bit of, um, his 1995 album, Satan takes a holiday. If there's ever a deep cuts movie, the sequel to it has to be called the mystery Treehouse goes Hawaiian. Yes, for sure. So it's you know it's just it's it's vaguely resident style um, kind of weird lo-fi heavy heavy use of like organs and synthesizers and calliopes it's, and and there's a few songs like the songs all, don't even all have vocals like a few of them have vocals but for the most part they're really just like these weird uh, organ songs that was just Anton Lavey playing. Why the fuck didn't he and uh, Christopher Lee team up? Oh, that would have yeah, that would have been fucking amazing. Just this with Christopher Lee talking over it, just being like, Charlemagne. Yeah, but uh, you know this this is this is exactly the kind of stuff I want to listen to. A lot of people uh, do, do not agree that this is listenable music. Uh, there was definitely a strong reaction with the Shags episode, where a lot of people were like, "This is not good. This is not music to listen to." But uh, it's exactly the kind of thing I want to listen to. Over the next few decades, Levey parlayed this media attention into a somewhat successful speaking tour business. He continued to publish books, run the church, and espouse the importance of willpower in the black arts. 
He was featured on many talk shows and late night shows throughout the 70s, 80s, and 90s. One of the most iconic appearances was on the Joe Pine Show. He's been the guy that's kept the church in business for many, many years. Without him and the concept of evil, where would the church be? Well, where would Notre Dame be if they couldn't play Southern Methodist? That's they got to right. have opposition. Is that That's the point? That's right. They have to have so opposition. So you're supplying, what, a loyal opposition? Well, I'm supplying a much-needed opposition. The word Satan only means adversary, as I said. It's uh, not... Uh, you, you never use the word devil? Devils, of course. Devils are God. The original concept of the word devil is taken from a word meaning God. But this, this name, Anton... Zandor LeVay, that's got to be a put-on. Oh, no, be, it's certainly huh? not. I mean, when I was a young boy, I was quite embarrassed about what the S stood for in my middle name. Because... Zandor. Uh, anybody with a... S-Z-A-N-D-O-R, right? Right. Now, what, is that, what does that name mean? Does it have any meaning? Well, it's a very common name in the Balkan countries of Europe, Romania, Hungary. Mm -hmm. It's just like George or Frank would be here. Now, uh... What country do you come from? Transylvania? or what? Well, not really. My family, part of my family is from Transylvania. Is it necessary to kill you by driving a stake through your heart, or will just a knock on the head do it? I will never die. You won't? No, of course not. I've made arrangements. <laughs> How do you like that? A frozen devil, right? Huh? That's a good point. You're going to be frozen. This is a, now, that's a great thing, I think. Incidentally, this freezing, because I think we all want to live forever. I think basically oh, we, none of us want to die. We're like little children that are put to bed before we really want to go to bed. And if we, I hate to sound like Goldwater, but in our hearts, none of us really want to die. We all know that death is something. You don't know how many pe people are going to come to your funeral. You don't know what your wives, your husbands are going to be doing afterwards. People don't want to die because they don't want to miss anything afterwards. And they're afraid for what they're going to be missing. So are you saying then that you're going to make arrangements to have yourself frozen? If it's at all possible. If it's not, I'll make other arrangements. Of course. What do you mean other arrangements? Well, well I let's take the theories. freezing first now. I could just picture this now. About 10 days after you're frozen, some minister is going to tiptoe over and turn off your electricity. Or bring a blow, <laughs> or bring a blowtorch in. Yeah. Well, a blowtorch would be you'd make you make you right at home. What are the other arrangements? Well, there's another... I have to say, Anton LaVey definitely grew into his um, his look later on in his life, in his 50s and 60s, when he got a little older, a little more gaunt, a little bit more wrinkled. He looks, he embodies the evil, creepy Satan guy. In his younger years, he looks like an out-of-work porn director. Yeah, as a young man, Anton LaVey looks kind of like um, a theater teacher who somehow engineers situations where he ends up with the lead role in the play. Yeah, yeah. He 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 looks like a he look he looks like a, a grip on a film set who won't stop hitting on the lead actress. Yeah, a Anton LaVey looks like a mixture of um, somebody who would say the words "she almost fucked me" and "she knows she wants it." Anton LaVey looks like somebody who went to magician school, dropped out after the first day, and then became a magic teacher. Anton LaVey looks like the type of substitute teacher who would sell you cocaine. Anton LaVey looks like a guy that you would meet in like the corner of a of a house party who would try to talk to you about Bitcoin. <laughs> Anton LaVey looks like the type of person who tries to convince his parents to invest in like strange 
business practices and startups that he's working on. Anton LaVey looks like the bassist from a band who is only in the band because he is like independently wealthy from owning a small chain of coin operated laundromats. And he paid for all of their equipment and books all their gigs for them. Anton LaVey looks like the type of person who says that he has six toes on one of his feet. But he doesn't. But he doesn't. Yeah, he totally doesn't. Anton LaVey looks like when you get interested in the idea of becoming a swinger. And so you and your wife or husband start going to swinger parties. But then everybody at the swinger party looks like Anton LaVey. <laughs> Despite the rising conservative temperature of the country, which you'd think would have caused LaVey's popularity and fringe appeal to skyrocket, he languished. He became something of a cult figure and minor celebrity during the 70s and 80s. He had a resurgence in the 1990s as a cult figure, but was in no way as popular or feared as he was during his initial heyday in the late 1960s. Also, there's there's kind of a very specific reason for that, um, maybe in conjunction with just general loss of interest in his the novelty of him. However, very specifically, so Anton LaVey was kind of friends with Roman Polanski and that just circle of people. And he was in Rosemary's Baby. He played Satan. Uh, which is, you know, if you haven't seen the movie, there's just like there's these scenes where it's implied that uh, the character played by um, uh, what the fuck is her name? Uh, Mia Fa- the, the character played by Mia Farrow is sexually assaulted by Satan in her sleep and impregnated with the Satan's child. And he played uh, Satan in these like quick shots where you can barely see him. And he's just wearing like a fucking weird mask and painted red or whatever. And so when the Manson murders happened, one of the guys that was at the was at Sharon Tate's house who was killed, Jay Sebring, was um, in the Church of Satan. And then one of the murderers, one of the Manson family, she had been in one of uh, Anton LaVey's like theater performances. And so uh, obviously, you know, considering what the Church of Satan is and considering that there was already this existing like this is like, you know, this satanic thing that's infiltrating our world and manipulating the brains of our children. The association with the Manson murders was enough to take it from like, oh, these are a bunch of like French kooks to like, oh, these are like just to really solidify that these were evil satanic people. So the association with the Manson murders kind of like soured, like people were kind of having fun with it of like, oh, yeah, the Church of Satan. Ha ha ha. Like if you watch that full uh, video that we were just kind of watching a chunk of like, you know, everyone's getting a good laugh out of it. They're, you know, they're making fun of this dude who's like a wacky guy. Like, you know, what Anton LaVey gets out of it is that he gets to go up on stage and be this huckster and be this performance art and sort of put this um, subversive material out into the world. And what the show gets out of it is that the host can kind of make fun of him and call him an idiot. And then, the you know, everyone can laugh or whatever. But once this happened, it wasn't fun to anybody anymore. So that was kind of the, the final nail in the coffin of his sort of like his celebrity status. LaVey was someone who simultaneously existed on the outskirts of culture and yet still was tremendously influential in his selected subculture. His influence can be felt to this day, from rock music and rock and roll's predilection for appropriation of satanic imagery 
to the general acceptance of anti-religious protest. These elements are all directly descendant from Anton Cisandor LeVay. On November 7th, 1997, Carla LeVay, Anton's daughter, held a press conference announcing that her father had passed away. Soon after his passing, LeVay's former partner, Blanche Barton, produced a handwritten will that she claimed was written by LeVay. It stated that all his works, intellectual property, and financial assets were to be placed in a trust. This would then be managed exclusively by Barton's son, Satan Xerxes Karnacki LeVay. This document was contested by the other members of the family, and it was eventually thrown out. A settlement was eventually reached where the assets would be split between all three of LeVay's surviving children. Mysteries, lies, satanic temples, and ritualistic orgies haunt the legacy of Anton LaVey, which is probably exactly what he would have wanted. In death, LaVey's infamy has grown tenfold. Now, he's an idea, an unstoppable martyr for the cause of personal desire and individualistic freedoms. I, lo I love that. I love the idea of her just like coming up with like this handwritten thing and just being like, look, he said to give everything to my son. Like, it just reminds me of when I was when I was in high school, I got into this like argument with a friend about whether or not the uh, the penis was a bone. What? Who th did you think the penis was a bone or did they? He, he said that he said he was he was insisting that a penis was a bone. And we were getting in this argument and then he like walked into the cafeteria and I quickly, I took out a piece of paper and I just wrote, I wrote, uh, the penis isn't a bone, Einstein. And then he came back out and I was just like, look, I, I, I just found this document and it just said the penis isn't a bone, signed Einstein. Like it, obviously a joke. It was just like, but like, that's what it reminds me of, of her just being like, look, he said, give everything to us. Well, it's even better that the kid's name was Satan Xerxes Karnacki LeVay. <laughs> you said to give everything to Satan Xerxes. I love it. I love it. So, yeah, I guess in summary, what are your... Uh, I mean, we kind of already... I feel like everybody who's listened to this show long term knows what we are probably going to say. You know, there's a checklist. I love the fact that he plays the kayfabe villain. Like, I love that he described it as like, you know, I'm the anti-god. I'm... I'm the enemy that the church will use to, you know, fight against. We, every hero needs a villain and I'm going to be that villain. I love that idea as like almost kind of a raison d'etre, right? Like a reason for existing is like I'm going to fulfill the need that everyone doesn't want to embrace. Um, I love his weird trickster, you know, lying, made up self-history. I love the fact that he willed it all into being like he actually walked the walk he self-published books, he self-produced records, he hosted a podcast with his friend and their Muppet slash demon, space demon roommate. You know, I just love all of that stuff, you know? Yeah, I mean, he literally walked the walk. Like, he would go on walks with a fucking leopard. Yeah, yeah, and while he was walking his leopard, he would be chanting, I'm walking the walk, I'm walking the walk. That's that was his thing, you know. Yeah, and then just that music would just cross paths with Black Pope, who was like walking in the opposite direction. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, and and you know, say whatever you you know, say whatever you want about the actual full totality of what the church of satan was i mean a lot of people say you know that he basically just took he just took like ideologies from other smarter philosophers like nietzsche and 
just kind of like copy pasted them and you know basically adapted like less less nuanced less intelligent versions of them where he's just kind of like mix and matching a bunch of different like philosophies that he had read in books you can say whatever you want about you know i i don't agree i don't personally agree with the general libertarian slant of what the church of satan was I mean, obviously, you know, there there is a lot of merit to uh, some of the aspects of libertarianism of just like being being your own person and not letting people like di- dictate your life or going along with the status quo. But obviously, there's a whole other mess of issues with libertarianism and the way that it it's like individual absolutism to the point of just kind of like ignoring the context of reality and what it actually means to apply individualism and freedom of expression and freedom of speech in a vacuum with no taking into account the subtleties of how that ripple effect, you know, goes out into the world and changes and and uh, manipulates things. So, you know, I, gener- I generally am not on board with the overall philosophy of what the Church of Satan was. Um, I think, you know, if you want to follow a much more progressive form of Satanism, um, the Satanic Temple is a separate is separate from the Church of Satan. It's not the same thing. It's not the same organization. And um, the the Satanic Temple is a more recent organization. They're similar to the Church of Satan in that they adopt the tropes of Satan worship as almost like a troll at organized religion. But in reality, they're preaching sort of like their whole thing is not um, individual individualism or objectivism or uh, materialism um, uh, or like Randian libertarian views. Their whole thing is like preaching rational thought and em- embracing science and rationality and pushing back against fascism and um it's just it's a it's a it's a it's a better version of what the the church of satan was it's just a very different thing like the the satanic temple is a, is an organization an organization that specifically fights for the separation of church and state in an american uh, governmental processes whereas the church of satan um advocates for a rebooting of the system on an individual level where societal structures that were very rigid and detrimental en masse to the American population because it started in the fucking 1950s. It was advocating for the destruction of those and a recalibration of our culture. And whether you like how our culture is right now or not, it's, it's a very different place. Basically, the satanic, the church of Satan basically won that argument to a large extent in that you know our, our our the vast majority of americans do not ascribe to the suit and tie side part haircut madison avenue white picket fence stay at home wife thing that was so prevalent during that time period yeah but then but then there was also like aspects of it you know the, the church of satan with their sort of like libertarian anti-egalitarian views where like all all people are not created equal survival of the fittest you know that kind of thing, which I do not subscribe to. Um, however, say what so say whatever you want about any of that stuff, or just the integrity of what the Church of Satan was in general. Um, but you know, the biggest takeaway um, that I that I think comes from that uh, at a at a at a uh, generational societal level is there's something very powerful about the usage of the satanic tropes 
in learning to push boundaries and carve out your identity in, um, you know, certain upbringings and areas where you're sort of being forced and pushed into these certain ideological pockets, um, whether you grow up in a really strict um, religious family or you live in an pr- area of the country that's like very, uh, very fundamentalist or, uh, or very kind of old fashioned or overall religious it's it's a really it's a really effective tool in helping people um, push those boundaries, expand their thinking, and carve out their own personal identity within that structure. Um, in, in exercising some healthy rebellion, and the interesting thing about that is like he was the one that showed us we could do that. Like you could let's hypothetically say that every single aspect of the Church of Satan, the whole all of his philosophies and and edicts were all just total bullshit. He was just a he was just a con artist or he did believe it but it was all just kind of bullshit that he stole from other people or whatever you say hypothetically that's all true. I feel like anybody who grew up, you know, and lived throughout their younger adolescent days in very strict religious um, upbringings and in strict religious um, communities saw the value in like being like just simple things like saying you love Satan or like fucking drawing pentagrams on shit or like listening to satanic music and like loud enough where people could hear it and you kind of like liked the fact that they were hearing it like you liked um being provocative in that way and you liked kind of freaking people out and getting under people's skin and kind of pushing against those boundaries. And that sounds like, I feel like people take that for granted. Like, I feel like people are like, oh, that's just, you know, it's just someone being goofy or like being rebellious. But it's not that though. It's, it's like, I think it's much deeper than that. I think that, um, learning to utilize tools like that to push boundaries is invaluable for somebody defining and carving out their identity. And one of those ways is to just like pretend like you love and worship Satan because you know it's going to piss off your religious parents and other adults in your community. And I definitely did that a ton. Um, That was one of my favorite tools for freaking people out. It's such an easy tool for doing that. It's such a it's it's such an effective like thing in your toolbox for just like getting under people's skin and freaking people out and and. Um, expressing to them that you don't subscribe to these things that they're trying to force upon you. And he kind of invented it. Like he was the first one to be like, yeah, just fucking like, just fucking pretend like you love Satan. It'll, it'll really piss people off. Yeah. And wear Jinko jeans. Yeah. That, I mean, the, the, the more room for Satan in those pant legs. I'm Dave Baker. And I'm Andrew Price. This has been Deep Cuts. If you'd like to find me on the internet, you can do so by going to Instagram, Twitter, and or TikTok. Find me under the username xdavebakerx. You can also find my books online at heydavebaker.com. Also, my new book, Everyone is Tulip, is available everywhere. Bookstores, comic book stores, maybe the odd record store. I don't know. Please go pick it up. Andrew, where can people find you on the internet? You can find me in my uh, sophomore year high school French class. Um, as my French teacher, Miss Jacob Cannon, is walking around collecting the day's homework, um, and as she comes up to my desk, I say, I didn't do the homework, but I did draw this picture of Satan, and then handing her a drawing of Satan that I did, which is a real thing that I actually did in real life. And you can also find me at dapricerights.com, where you can get my book, Deadbolt AI Private Eye. You can also get Deep Cuts merch. You can go to deepcutspod.com, click on the shop 
or you can just go to bit.ly.com slash deepcutsmerch and you can pick up t-shirts and other uh, merchandise items with some cool Deep Cuts designs. Um, you can get the Deep Cuts um, Junior Sleuth shoulder patch at any of our websites, dapricerights.com, heydavebaker.com, or deepcutspod.com. And um, you click on the store or, you know, on the Deep Cuts Pod website. It's just right there on the front page. Um, you can pick that up. And uh, Dave, we got we got a we got a barn burner. Bro, bro, I have been thinking about this for this whole episode. We got a barn burner. We are entering a segment of the cast that we like to call Pizza Pizza Paparizza Mimarizza. Pizza Pizza Paparizza Mimarizza. Dear listener, I will compose a song for this segment just to save you from ever having to hear that again. Uh, the, the, we get, we got a hoot nanny. I, this, this, this might be the best week we've had so far. So for, so, so, so if anybody hasn't listened to prior episodes at the end of every episode, now we're doing these segments called pizza, pizza, paparizza, where we rate the deep cuts themed memes that our listeners make and post in the Facebook group the Deep Cuts Podcast Facebook group available on Facebook at the Deep Cuts Podcast Facebook group. Yeah, and so if you if you want to create a, a Deep Cuts meme, whatever it's about, something about us, something about one of our topics, running bits, joke, inside jokes that we've made, we've come up with, or whatever, if you want to make a meme about one of these things and you want us to talk about it on the show, join the Deep Cuts po- Podcast Facebook group. Just search Deep Cuts Podcast group or yeah, Deep Cuts Podcast group on Facebook. Join the group. It's a community where we talk and hang out, whatever. You, in addition to just being able to generally talk and hang out with other Deep Cuts listeners, you can also post these memes and we will take a look at them. If for whatever reason you don't use Facebook, uh, just email us, andrew at boygeniusmedia.com. Bo- andrew at boygeniusmedia.com. Email us some memes. It's not quite as fun as posting it in the group because then you get the real-time reactions, but not everybody has Facebook. So let's take a look at this first one. <laughs> It this it's gonna be a real it's gonna be a real tough decision to find out who the, to decide who's the winner for this one. Um, so this meme is done by Bill Bixby Bill Bixby's Bill Bixby's Oscar. I don't know who that is. I don't know what their real name is. I don't know if this is somebody who originally had a their real name and then they changed it and I just don't recognize it, or if this is a new listener who's joined the group recently and this is their Facebook name. So I don't know their real name, but their Facebook page name is Bill Bixby's Oscar. And so this is a meme. And this I, I'm kind of forgetting the rest of them, and there's a lot of good ones. This might be my favorite, maybe. I laughed out loud when I saw this. Um, so the meme is a picture of Bill Gates sitting in front of a computer, a laptop computer behind him is just like stacks and stacks of money. And he's typing on this laptop and he's saying, who's down for some paparizza and chill. And then underneath that is a bunch of stock photos of women who are, these are like, I'm assuming these are stock photos of, of women who are like experiencing shoulder pain, but he's taken these stock photos of these women experiencing shoulder pain and he's added like a Wi-Fi signal coming out of the shoulder and they're grabbing the the shoulder and in, in wincing in pain, implying 
that Bill Gates has used the COVID-19 vaccine to implant microchips in everybody. And so these women have these microchips that have been implanted in their shoulder through the COVID-19 vaccine. And uh, Bill Gates is basically using it as like his own personal one way tender. Anytime he wants a booty call, he just pipes out a message to all the women who have his microchips in their shoulder. And he's asking them who's down for some paparizza and chill. Uh, and it's it's just it's the it's the chef's kiss meme. You know what it is? You know what it is? It's yeah, it is definitely. I'm going to say for me, this is a nine five. So nine nine point five pizzas out of ten. Yes. Yeah. I mean, this is amazing. I also, I also laughed out fucking loud. Like I like <laughs> I like cackled in my apartment when I saw this shit. It's so good. Yeah. I I feel like I gotta be there too. I feel like I gotta go nine point five. I find it interesting that you always skew for like middle ratings. Like all of your ratings are point fives. But in 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 the spirit of how much I love this meme, I'm gonna go for a nine point five as well. <laughs> this is this is the one this is the one that i also laughed so hard at yeah i laughed a lot at this one too um and uh also before we even get into this i just got to bring up that i always find it so odd anytime ever, anyone ever references this scene uh from titanic where uh leonardo dicaprio is painting kate winslet and she says paint me like one of your french girls um, I always find it so odd because I saw this movie in theaters multiple times. Like literally I went with like friends as like a kid and saw this movie in theaters like six times or something. And I have no memory of her being naked in it. Like I, I don't, I have no memory of like a nude scene. The meme is Kate Winslet on the left saying, you know, the, the paint me like one of your French girls, but instead it says need me like one of your long breads. And then, and then on the right, it's my face photoshopped onto Leonardo DiCaprio's body. And the caption is, you think I'm going to say no? And it's not just your face. It's your face from the you think I'm going to say no meme. Yeah, it's, it's, it's my face from the you think I'm going to say no meme, which is probably the least flattering photo of me to ever exist. <laughs> but I love this so much and I'm going to go um, 10 pizzas. This is 10? This is 10 pizzas, baby. 10 pizzas. Yeah, I mean, I love this. I love this one, but I think I'm going to go a little lower. Um, I think I'm going to go, I'm going to go Fellini on this one you're gonna go eight and a half eight and a half all right so so this one is from from seth bussing who's been killing it in the group killing it in the group and it's it's the meme with the guy from despicable me that um steve carell plays or voices where he's like going through a plan on like one of those like giant pads of paper and like the first three steps make sense. And then the fourth step is like off. Like it's it's like a terrible implication that his plan is going to like fail. And then like he realizes it and like just kind of stares at the pad, like unsure of what to do next. And so it's four panels of this character, like, you know, telling his plan um, confidently. So the first one is make vigilante and have make vigilante. It's vigilante. Oh yeah. Vigilante. Make, make vigilante and have people looking out for, for each other. Um, this is in reference to the citizen app, which is the last, uh, the recent episode that we did. Um, 
The second panel is uh, the next phase of his plan. It fails, so remake it under a new name and put it back on the App Store a week later, uh, referring to when they rebranded Vigilante as Citizen. The third panel is uh, make a companion app and a subscription service to main to main app and try to make some money, referencing the fact that they um, created a subscription service for $19.99 a month within Citizen where you could pay this fee. And anytime you felt like you're in danger, you could press this button on the app and then they would live stream your phone and send somebody to come, you know, help you. And the whole time that you're somebody's on the way to help you your phone is live streaming so you're going to capture everything that happens on camera to in theory you know help protect you from whatever's happening to you and then the fourth final one where he looks at it and realizes that maybe his plan is not going to end the way he wants it to the uh it says make a security force slash mobile army that totally is legit and ain't out here to start a bazooka a bazooka apocalypse a bazooka apocalypse which is a reference to when we talked about um a bazooka apocalypse or bazooka apocalypse on that episode what's funny about this is i read this and was like i know that that bazooka apocalypse is a reference to something we said especially because a bunch of people were making references to it in the episode or when the episode dropped in the group and i have zero memory of saying or talking about a bazooka apocalypse that's odd because yeah it was like right at the end of the episode and it was like a pretty are you really surprised that i don't remember something like come on well i mean it's it it involves bazookas and apocalypses so it's it is like a little surprising all right so what do you what what are you rating this what are you rating seth's uh seth's outing here i'm giving this one a solid seven pizzas out of ten i'm gonna go um a fellini jr i'm gonna go an eight Fellini Jr.? Yeah, because a Fellini is eight and a half. A Fellini Jr. is eight. Yeah, that makes sense that the math works. Yeah, of course. <laughs> this this one's like this one's like kind of a meme, but it's like a hybrid of a meme and also just kind of like a, a collage um <laughs> that in, that incorporates a couple different things, a couple different ideas. Um, so this one's from Brock McDonald. Oh man, Brock, my guy. And like, yeah, like I said, it's less of a meme and more of a kind of like an image collage. And so it, it says deep cuts, the lo- you know, the name of our show in this kind of like blobby horror font at the top. And it's got, it's, <laughs> it's got the, um, my chemical Voldemort. What, what, what do we call it? Was, was it my chemical Voldemort? <sighs> I don't remember now because it was so long ago. Yeah. So in, in an episode of in a past episode of Deep Cuts um, about my immortal, which was a uh, bizarre Harry Potter fan fiction that was written by an anonymous author that was like this just insane, bizarre fan fiction um, that had all this crazy, weird Internet drama behind it. But it was also just very hilarious. The actual fan fiction was hilarious. And one of the aspects of it was the 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 fan fiction um is like this cross between Harry Potter fan fiction and like goth fan fiction so it's at one point this whole thing takes place at Hogwarts and at one point my chemical romance performs at Hogwarts but then it's revealed that my chemical romance is actually Voldemort and other death eaters who were disguised as my chemical romance and so we went off on this extended bit about like imagining Voldemort singing my chemical romance songs 
and just finding it humorous to imagine that in order to set up this Trojan horse and to ambush Hogwarts like this, that Voldemort and these Death Eaters all like genuinely practiced my chemical my chemical romance songs and like got like ready to play a real concert. And so we were kind of like speculating about these this months of of them rehearsing these songs. And we were just singing My Chemical Romance songs as Lord Voldemort. And so this is uh, at the bottom of this image. It's got um, the, the the members of My Chemical Romance for, uh, from a promo f- um, photo from the Black Parade era. And the other four members of the band are all the, their regular selves. But then um, he's photoshopped Voldemort's head over Gerard Way's head in the middle. And then in the background, it's there's a uh, behind the band. There's a screenshot from a movie called Ship of Monsters, which is a Mexican sci-fi movie from the '60s um, that we did a reaction video to one time, where it, the the actress in the movie is caressing a giant hideous brain monster. What are you give What are you giving it, Papa Papa Pricey? This one's a Fellini for me. I know this is controversial, but I got to give it the ten, man. This you're is giving, so you're giving this the ten. This is so funny to me (laughs) this is especially because it's like six months after the episode that's it's it's so funny to me it's so funny yeah i i like it i yeah because like i said it's it's less a meme and it's more of like it's just like a I don't know. It just remi- it reminds me, and I don't mean I don't mean this. To, I don't mean to say this in uh, an insulting way to Brock, but it reminds me of like a like a like a teenage fan of a band in like the early like the early two thousands who like spends their time like photoshopping together these like collages where they take photos of the band and put them together and add stuff and add their own text and like Photoshop on like lyrics from songs or whatever. Like it reminds, it has that energy to me and I love it. Oh man, this is a good one too. This one's from reigning contender, Mike Miller. Um, and what the, the most, uh, pr- prolific meme, um, uh, most prolific paparizza memeritza paparizza chef um in in the group and so it's that meme that's like a series of stills from friends where phoebe from friends is trying to get joey to say a word correctly and so she breaks it into the she breaks the word down into like multiple pieces and she gets him to re- recite the individual pieces of the word back to her. And then at the end, she tries to get him to say it all together. And then he says something completely wrong or off or not related or whatever it is. That's, that's the template of the meme. And so the first panel is Phoebe saying pizza. And then Joey says pizza. And then she the next one, she says pizza. And then he says pizza. And then the next one, she says paparizza. And then he says paparizza. And then in the last panel... She says, pizza, pizza, paparizza, prompting him to say the whole thing together. And then he, Joey, in a way like he's just had a, an epiphany, says, I killed 19 aliens with a katana, which is, a, which is in reference to another episode of Deep Cuts about the Stardust Ranch, which was a ranch that was purchased by a, uh, a, a, a therapist, a retired therapist who claimed that he started to be visited by aliens on a nightly basis and had to fight them and kill them with a katana. Andrew, what's your rating? Uh, I think I think I give this one an eight. It's it's very it's funny. Fellini, you're doing the Fellini Jr. Fellini huh? Jr. Fellini Jr. Yeah, I'm going to go Fellini eight and a half. 
Eight and a half. Okay. That's 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 fair. Although I absolutely did laugh out loud at that one. Oh, god damn it. Okay, so this one is by um I'm I'm now realizing that I don't actually know how to pronounce his last name because I've only read it in text. But he's a longtime listener. Uh Eric Durang. Um and it is it is Dave and I from the cover of our podcast, Dave is brandishing a flashlight and I'm holding up a magnifying glass. We're looking off into the distance and we are photoshopped onto the cover of the um, the action RPG Deus Ex Human Revolution. Um, and the explanation or background behind this is that Eric, basically everything he says is like a weird, annoying meme like he lives his life in just memes that are meant to troll people in a most in a postmodern way and every time that we post a poll to ask people's opinions about something he adds the option Deus Ex Human Revolution and then selects it so that all being said one slice of pizza <laughs> I'm going to go um and not one pizza, one slice of pizza. Oh, that's a that's a good distinction. I'm going to go half of a pizza. This this meme makes me irrationally angry. Same. I think you can tell that when I when you pulled this up, but I said, "Oh god damn it." <laughs> yep. This one's from uh past uh pizza pizza paparizza memeritza contender Blazwaras and it is the it's the meme template of Drake uh being repelled by something in the first panel and then being into something in the next panel. And the first one where he is rejecting the thing is a statue of Mothman. From from Point Pleasant. That's the actual statue in Point Pleasant, West Virginia. And then the second frame where he's like into it and pointing at it like this is the shit is a picture from behind the statue where it's revealed that you that they've sculpted uh the Mothman's like immaculate Vitruvian man esque butt. It's just in full sculpted regalia. Just the crack, the just the muscular cheeks. Yeah, it's just it's there. All, it's there. all there. It is all there. And then the the caption he added was, "Oh, we gonna fuck," which is a reference to a Mo- Mothman episode, and that was yeah. Um, I think I'm going to go, I think, I think I'm, I think I'm going to go seven on this one. I'm going to go, I'm going to go six pizzas, six pizzas. Yeah. Um, this is, this is another one from Blaz and, uh, it's a picture of somebody loading way too many long breads into their car. There's a, there's a shopping cart and it's full to the brim with very long baguettes. That's the only thing in the cart. There's no bags. The baguettes aren't inside of like plastic bags or paper bags or anything like that. They're just like bare exposed baguettes. It's like, it's like 14 giant baguettes. Yeah. And then um, the caption is stop it, stocking up for the incoming bazookopalypse. Bazookopalypse. Bazookapocalypse. Bazookapocalypse. That's it. Stocking up for the incoming bazookapocalypse. I'm going to go. Um, I, I also laughed out loud at this. I, I found this very funny. Um, but I think on a, on a different week, this would probably rate a uh, significantly higher for me. But this week is just like straight bangers from beginning to end. So I think. For this week, it's a seven. Normal weeks, this would be at least a Fellini, if not higher. Yeah, I, I I think I would say seven as well. It's really funny though. Oh fuck, I haven't seen this one. <laughs> what? I already know what my my rating for this one is. Um, so this one's from uh John Zaitler or Zeitler. 
um, uh, a listener in the group, and it is uh, it is a pizza, bo- an open pizza box. There's a pizza in the box, and then on the bot on the on the top um, half of the pizza box on the inside, there is a logo. And it is a picture of a pizza with a mound of cocaine on it. The little Caesars mascot is in front of the cocaine. And then behind the cocaine, there is John McAfee with his face covered in cocaine. And then it says pizza, pizza, paparizza, the McAfee, the McAfee Supreme. And then in the box on the actual pizza, there's a mound of cocaine. And as an added little flair, he made it a 3D image so that you can actually like move it around. And the 3D of it actually kind of works really well where it actually gives like it gives um uh depth to the pizza box where you can like the pizza box looks 3d and then the pizza you can actually see it inside of the box and then the amount of cocaine on top of the pizza is you can see it's like it all has the right kind of depth this is very good this is very good what are you going this is this is a full 10 to me i love this so much (laughs) it's really good i would say for me i think it's a nine but this is really good yeah i I love this because i mean it's funny but also it's like i love the I love the memes where it's like they've like mashed up two different ideas in just a bizarre way that I would have never expected. Like the idea of just bringing McAfee into this is like I I just would have never thought of this ever. Yeah, yeah, it's great. It's it's very very well done. Um, this is another one from Mike Miller, and uh, these <laughs> I love these memes that he does, and also I think I've seen other people do these types of memes as well. Where it's like it's like a boomer. It's like a it's like a parody of a boomer meme where it's not actually funny. And because of how unfunny it is, it makes it hilarious. Like it's not like there's no joke to the meme. It's just like it's it's like what some boomer would think was funny and post and, and you would read it and just be like this. What does this even mean? This doesn't make any sense. And then that makes it hilarious. So. It's a it's two frames. The first one is a picture of a bunny rabbit with its eyes like closed. And then it says a normal boring Friday. And then in the second frame, it says a pizza, pizza, paparizza, McAfee special Friday. Oh, and that's another thing about this meme is that this meme, the reason the, I love this meme as well, because it's in reference to a different meme. So this meme is is calling back to the other meme that we just looked at the the pizza box meme. Um, so it says the second frame is a pizza, pizza, paparizza, McAfee special Friday. And then it's the same rabbit. They've got these weird cartoon bulgy eyes that have been added on top of the rabbit's eyes. And then like a mouth has been added on top of the rabbit's mouth. That's like, that's like open with like a tongue sticking out. And then for some reason, a snowflake has been added on top of the rabbit's stomach and then the rabbit is saying cocaine on a pizza who knew um i like this one six pizzas uh this one this one's a uh, for sure fellini for me this one's a fellini but that might just be because i'm in over 300 facebook groups and before i finally decided to unfollow all of them um i'm still in them but i unfollow them so i don't see them on my feed anymore because i just realized that for my own mental health i needed to do that but before that my one bit of joy from being in all these Facebook groups was just seeing the pure chaos of boomer memes and just like looking at what just fucking millions of like, and this is a bad example because one of our best memers is an insurance salesman, but looking at what like a bunch of boomer insurance salesmen think is funny in meme form. 
But then again, uh, our boy Aaron Dockery challenges that trope because he is an insurance salesman and he won the first ever. He homie's got homie's got meme bars. But he's he's not a boomer though. So <laughs> <laughs> there, there's there's I think there's three in total. Yeah, there's three in total. Um, so uh, a listener recently joined the group named Nicholas Shapka. And they submitted three memes together as sort of an introductory, like, here's my first hat in the ring for Pizza Pizza Paparitza Meme Aritza. Um, so uh, the first one is a meme where it's got the um, the sun. I don't know what the actual term for them is because um, I only have like a tertiary knowledge of Dark Souls. But it's like the sun cultist or the, the the guy from the meme about praising the sun that I've seen a million times. The guy with like the 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 helmet, the like cylindrical helmet like, on his he's head. He's like a knight knight templar guy. And and above him has been photoshopped the uh the sun from the Teletubbies. That's like a sun with like a baby's face in it. And it says, praise the sun, baby. And then underneath that, it says, when Dave discovers he can mod Dark Souls. So in this scenario, in this scenario, Dave has created a mod for Dark Souls where he can play the sun knight or whatever it is, just worshiping the Teletubbies sun, baby. Fellini Jr. Fellini Jr. I'm going to go, I'm going to go seven on this one. Uh, then the next one from Nicholas, uh, <laughs> <laughs> this this one is just so fucking weird and i i love it it's so bizarre um but it, it's the meme with anakin declaring something and then padme like reacting to it in good faith and then anakin staring her down with a mischievous stare and then her realizing that maybe he has ill intentions um, and the first, so the first panel, it's Anakin saying, Hey Dave, meet my newborn son. And then Padme says, Oh, congrats. So this is JJ the fourth. And then I, or Anakin stares at her. And then she says, that is JJ the fourth, right? How weird is this? <laughs> How weird is this that there are people making memes about the nickname that you slash we have given to your son? This is so weird. Very bizarre. Yeah, it's it, several dozens of episodes ago, um, you were talking about something and you started to say the names of my kids. And then you kind of like realize like maybe I didn't want you to say their real names on the podcast, which I actually didn't care about. And that never crossed my mind that that would be an issue. But then after we so basically you said that and then I was like, oh, you mean JJ the fourth and um, Phoenix WK? Which was just like, it was just the first thing to pop into my my mind because we had just, like, this was the episode after we had just done the Phoenix uh, Jones episode and the Andrew WK episode. And for some reason, that just popped on my mind. And so I said that. And in retrospect, I'm, I've now been like, maybe it is a good idea to, like, not say their names on the show. Like, I, I, I didn't really care about it. And I kind of still don't. But then there's also a part of me that's like, I'm kind of like, maybe it's better safe than sorry that we've made this bit. And created these nicknames. And so now all these episodes later, after this weird like bit slash you just thinking I might not want their names to be said on the show, people are making memes about this. And I don't fully understand the meme, but I still find it hilarious because it's so bizarre. Yeah, I mean, this is one of those things where I remember forever ago when we first started doing this 
we had like a couple a couple things that were like oh man if we can cross this number of downloads on day one and if we can do if we can hit this bar at this point and if we can do that like we'll be we'll be chugging along this will be really cool and i don't think this was in that first conversation but like in the second or third conversation you were like if people ever make memes about the show and about us I can die happy. This is what I've been waiting for, baby. Yeah, now it's gotten to the point where we literally, there are so many of them, we literally have to have contests at the end of every episode. So this is what it's all been building to. This is what I've been waiting for. Yeah, I'm going to go, I'm going to go Fellini Jr. I, I love this. I love this so, so much. Yeah, I got to, I got to go, I got to go, I got to go full Hugh Grant, nine and a half. Wait, is that, that's not who's in who's in nine and a half weeks? Is that what you're trying to figure out? Yeah, it's not Hugh Grant. I'm thinking I'm thinking of four weddings and a funeral, <laughs> which Hugh Grant is in. Uh, nine and a half weeks. Mickey Rourke. I'm going Mickey Rourke on this. Nine and a half. I respect it. I respect it. Wait, I gotta I gotta double check and see if that's even right. Is is Hugh Grant in four weddings and a funeral? He is. I'm right. I'm right about the thing I was wrong about. All right, and then this is the last one from Nicholas. And um, I think this is another one where I don't fully understand the meme. I it's I it's I think it's something from Rick and Morty, but I have not watched the last like season of Rick and Morty, so I don't understand what this is referencing. But it's like it's it's a mashup of rep referencing. A, I think a Rick and Morty episode, but also coupled with this other meme where an astronaut is like looking at the earth and having a realization. And then there's an astronaut behind him holding a gun at him. That was that's like it was always that way or whatever. So it's like three panels. The first one is a shot of an astronaut, but the face has been replaced with my face. And here's the thing. I do not know where this picture of me came from. I've seen I've seen that photo before a lot. Where is this picture of me from? Like everybody, everybody who ever makes memes with us in the in the in it, they always use the the cover of the podcast. Um, They always just use the same pictures of the two of us from the cover art. Or they use the, you think I'm going to say no picture of you. I don't know where this picture came from. I've seen this photo a lot. I don't remember where it's from specifically though, but I, I've seen this photo a lot. But my face is photoshopped over the astronaut with a photo that I don't know where it came from. And then the second panel is like a spaceship and it's the astronaut. So my face is like shocked. Like the face I'm my making is shocked. And then it's over the shoulder of the astronaut. He's at a spaceship. And then behind the spaceship, there's a giant baby head. And then the third panel is that astronaut meme. But the Earth has been replaced with the baby head. And then the astronaut looking at it is me. Once again, another photo. I don't know where that photo came from. I don't know where they got these pictures of me. And I'm looking at the giant baby head. And I'm saying, it's all baby. And then you're behind me, the the astronaut with a gun. And it for your face, he's used the face from the cover of our show and then you're saying always was baby i love this i love this i'm gonna go full uh 10 yeah this is this is just pure chaos this is so i mean is this this is just so much chaos because it's like i haven't seen this episode of rick and morty so i don't know what this is referencing and then it's mashed up with this other astronaut meme but then, like, he's using pictures that, like, I don't know where they came from. Like, where the fuck did these pictures come from? And <laughs> it, it, it's all baby. The, one of those, that the one where you're shocked, that's from a Deep Cuts TikTok thumb. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. You're right, you're right. Yeah, because, because... 
for every TikTok video, I after I made the first our first TikTok videos, which are just explainers of me or you telling a story in a quick three minute uh, version. And I realized that when I went to make the thumbnail for it, I was like, oh, yeah, like the whole video is just me talking. So there's no good thumbnail. It's always just me like in the middle of saying something where my face just looks all weird and like fucked up. Like when you when you when you when you freeze frame on someone talking, their face does not look like photogenic. And so what I started doing was in every video in the very in the very beginning of it, I make a face and then I immediately stop doing the face and then go into the story. So I'll go like I'll start the TikTok and I'll just I'll start it with me going like having like wide eye. I'll go like, <gasps> and then I'll hit I'll go I'll hit record and I'll go. So then John McAfee, like, and I'll just drop the face and then I use that as the thumbnail. So yeah, that, that you're right. This is a, this is a thumbnail from a TikTok video. Um, well, the only thing we don't now, the only things we have left are you have to rate this one and then we have to pick a winner there. I think there's a couple more, but, but yeah, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm going to, I'm Rourke in it. Mickey Rourke. Nine and a half. Uh, last couple memes. Uh, this one's from Aaron Dockery. This is actually the only offering from Aaron Dockery. I just, I'm just now realizing that he only submitted one meme um, since we did this last time. And um, it's actually in reference to the other Pizza Pizza Paparitza memeritzas. So just to give some context, Aaron Dockery was the first ever winner of the first annual Pizza Pizza Paparitza Mimaritza. He won the first one the first week, but then in the second week, he was immediately immediately unseated and he did not win. It, the winner was uh, was was Ed was Ed Ed Zachary uh, for that fucking insane comic that he made. Man, that thing was so good. <laughs> This meme is him referencing that that uh, the the um, the 15 minutes of fame that he experienced that that partic- that specific feeling of when you're on top one minute and then you're on the bottom the next minute. So the first panel it says August second, which I think which I think is yeah. So the episode so the episode where he won came out. And then the next week, the 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 next episode where he lost or didn't win w- came out on August 3rd. That was the day it came out. So the first panel says August 2nd, and it's Aaron updating his resume on his laptop. And it says accomplishments, pizza, pizza, paparizza, meme, celebrizza, undefeated champion, which I'm just now realizing that's the name of it. We've been calling it pizza, pizza, paparizza, memeritza, but you you named it this. It was pizza, pizza, paparizza, meme, celebrizza. That's true. I did. Well, now, you know what? We've rebranded it now. So now it's the pizza, pizza, paparizza, memeritza, celebrizza. Okay, yeah. Well, anyway, so he's updating his resume and he's adding the accomplishment on August 2nd. Pizza, pizza, paparizza, meme, celebrates undefeated champion. And then on August 3rd, the day that the episode dropped, he's changed it to accomplishments. Pizza, pizza, paparizza, meme, celebrates quote, at one time undefeated champion. And then a stock photo of a guy sitting at a laptop. Aaron has photoshopped his face onto the guy and he's giving a thumbs up. Um, with kind of a thousand yard stare on his face, obviously crushed at having to give up his seat as the meme king. Um, I'm going to go uh, Fellini. Fellini? Yeah, I, I, I'm feeling Fellini on this one as well. And then the final one, the final meme of today. This one's another one from Aaron Dockery. And <laughs> this one, this one is, I love this one. This one's great. And also there's an element to this that apparently you're, you don't understand. So I'm going to have to explain it to you because you don't remember. I really, I really don't. It's, this one is genius. This is, this meme is genius. So this, so it's the meme template that you've probably seen before. And it's 
photos from some kind of infomercial about this tape that you can stick on leaks to stop the leak. And the way that they demonstrate that how effective this tape is at stopping a leak is that there's this giant tank of water and there's a big hole. And this is like this is like a fucking like 60 gallon tank of water and there's a big hole in it and there's water just shooting out of it a huge stream of water and then the the spokesperson he takes this tape in his hand and he rears his hand back and then he just slaps it on the hole and it immediately stops the leak and it sticks to the to the tank and the leak is just stopped And so this meme is used where people will put text over the guy representing something and then they'll put text over the tank representing a problem. And then the tape, he'll slap the tape on and the tape will represent some kind of solution to the problem. Um, And just to give an example, I've seen this meme used where the guy is um, horror movie director. The tank with the leak is bad plot, bad acting, bad cinematography. And then the tape that he slaps over the hole is um, nudity. So it's like that. That's that's what the meme is. So the guy in the first panel, the guy over him, it says deep cuts. And then the tank with the leak says rampant public violence. And then here's where the genius of the meme comes in. So normally this is a two panel meme. It's just two panels. It's the guy rearing his hand back about to slap the tape on. He's got text over him and the tank has got text over him. The second panel is a close-up of his hand having slapped the tape onto the leak, and then there's text over that explaining what the tape is representing. That's the normal meme. But what he has done, and I'll explain this in a second, he's taken that and he's turned it into a um, a five-panel meme. So this is the first panel, which is him rearing his hand back, and he's deep cuts, and the leak is rampant public violence. The second third and fourth uh, panels are repeats of the guy rearing his hand back. And so there's three of them in a row of the guy just with his hand reared back. And the, the, the cropping of each one is slightly different where the first one, it's kind of like more to the, to the left. And then the second one is kind of like a little bit um, further to the left. And then the third one is a little bit further to the left. So it's like, it's emulating like movement or like it gives it momentum or it's like it's making you feel like you're rearing up to something and there's text over all three of them and the first one says bazooka with a with a hyphen the second one is bazooka and then the third one is bazook kapaka and then the last panel is the slap the tape being slapped on the tank and then it says bazooka apocalypse now this meme could have been very funny if it was just the two panel version where it says deep cuts rampant public violence and then the tape slapped on it is bazooka bazooka apocalypse But what's genius about this meme is that not only does he reference that, but he also references the fact that when we made this joke, when this bit happened, basically what happened was you were talking about this mutually assured destruction where we're living in this society where everybody wants to just like be armed to the teeth defending themselves from everybody else. And so we're just in this paranoid society where everybody's scared of like everybody else hurting them. And so we're all just like in this mutually assured destruction of like defending ourselves with like fascist structure, fascist um, uh, protection tropes. 
And what you said was, it's like if we everybody just had somebody on their roof with a bazooka. And then you were like, actually, honestly, if that was what like personal protection was, I'd be kind of into it. Like if it was just everybody had a bazooka, uh, had a guy with a bazooka on top of their roof. And then I tried to say um, that it would be a bazooka apocalypse. But whenever I tried to say it, I like couldn't figure out how to pronounce it properly. Yeah, like you did earlier in this episode. The thing I just did, that's what I did in the show. So I was like, yeah, it'd be like if we, it'd be like we'd build up to this bazooka, uh, bazooka apocalypse, bazooka apocalypse, bazooka apocalypse. And I got it right. So he's not only referenced this and used it in this meme, but he's also incorporated that moment where I like stutter, stumbled over trying to pronounce it. And I got it wrong like three times and then finally got it. Ten. Yeah, I, 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 I'm over explaining it. But ten. just, be, just because ten. I've got to explain. Just say it's a ten. How we both know it's a ten. Good it is. It's a ten. It's a ten. All right. Who? What's your vote for winner? So that's 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 all for the the week. And uh, yeah, I mean, they're 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 all there's so many bangers. There's this was such a good offering. It's it's kind of hard to decide, but I I think quickly trying to just pull them back up so I can like, remind myself of all the ones we've seen so far. I think for me, the two the two that are in contention right now for me are the deep cuts, my Black Parade uh, the Black Parade one that Brock made and um, and Paint Me Like Your French Girls. What do you think I'm going to say? No. Th- th- I think those are my two that are in, in running right now. I mean, I'll, I'll tell you I'll tell you what didn't win. Deus Ex Human Revolution. This, this, this one. Yeah, fuck that shit. This one lost, which didn't even like you can't even lose this. There's no loser. There's just a winner. But this one lost. Mm-hmm. Yep. Hmm, well, that's an interesting conundrum because I, I actually you you have two in contention and I don't think either of those ones are the ones that I would select. So what are, so what are we going to do when there's like a genuine like a splitting of the vote, a splitting of the vote and there's no tiebreaker? I guess we put it up for a vote. We put it up for a vote. We, we say Wednesday when this goes up, we'll put a, a poll up in the group and it'll be between whichever one I choose and whichever one Andrew chooses and everybody in the group will vote. Yeah, because I think for me, I, th- I think that it's a toss up for me between the bazooka apocalypse uh, slapping a tape on the tank one or the one from John of the the McAfee the, the McAfee Supreme pizza pizza paparizza. So do we want to do we want to say it's a final four? Do we want to do a playoffs? Yeah, let's do let's do a final four. All right. So my my two selections for the final four will be Brock and his uh Voldemort My Chemical Romance album cover and paint me like one of your French girls long breads what you think I'm gonna say no yeah and then mine mine are gonna be the McAfee Supreme pizza pizza paparizza pizza box or the uh bazooka apocalypse meme all right this is a this is a new frontier for the Pizza, pizza, paparizza, meme, celebrizza, memeritza. Uh, <laughs> what, what are we fucking saying? <laughs> like we're we've we we have created a cult, but like only the two of us are in it. Like we can't actually get anybody to be in the cult. It's just the <laughs> two of us. Well, we're just we're speaking a different language. <laughs> yeah, dude. Yeah, this is this is March Madness in uh in what the fuck month is this? August? This is August August Madness at the mountains of August Magnus. Yeah, the Here we go. The 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 the, the official pizza pizza paparizza memeritza celebritza at the <laughs> mountains of August Madness 
Final Four showdown. <laughs> you decide. <laughs> you decide, listener. Until next time. Deep Cuts is a production by Boy Genius Media. If you'd like to find this show and others like it, please visit boygeniusmedia.com or deepcutspod.com. If you want to join in on post-episode discussions, please join the Deep Cuts Podcast Facebook group. Finally, subscribe to our YouTube channel for additional video content. The incidental music for this episode was created by D. Catalano, whose music can be found at wekeepoddhours.bandcamp.com and the Dead Boy Detectives.